Welcome to Sothos Security Chet Chat episode 166 and a half. I'm Paul Ducklin and I've reversed roles with Chester once again because he is not only on the road, he's at the Virus Bulletin 2014 conference in Seattle. And uh, it sounds like there's some interesting stuff going on, Chester. Yeah, it's been a great conference. It's the it's the largest virus bulletin ever, from what the organizers tell me, and uh, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. Although it's it's kind of hard to go to a serious conference like Virus Bulletin, where you're trying to learn about the latest research in our field, and yet still go out and have a fun time with your friends that you only get to see once a year. But uh, those are those are good challenges to have. Now, there's something that we can't we can talk about, but we can't reach conclusions about yet. This is a panel that you'll be running later today to close the conference, I believe. Tell us what the panel's about, because it sounds fascinating to me. Well, we decided a few months uh, ago after the Heartbleed incident that it would be interesting to have a panel to discuss uh, responsible disclosure. Is there is there really an answer to this? I mean, I think it's fair to say most people at Virus Bulletin agree that responsible disclosure is the the way forward. That full disclosure is disruptive and dangerous on occasion. In the middle of all this, uh, this shell shock vulnerability has made the headlines. That'll be interesting as well, won't it? Because it it started off as hey, it's just a kind of bug in bash. Somebody decided it had to have a media savvy name and came up with shell shock, which of course may have given it more legs and oomph than it would otherwise have had. Yeah, and I I think for the panel, it'll be interesting to have that conversation because we kind of have three great examples of how responsible disclosure can move forward. You have things like the DNS vulnerability that Dan Kaminsky found about five years ago. You had Heartbleed, where there was a bit of a mixture. There was a certain amount of coordinated disclosure, but then, of course, it had a logo and a big PR push behind it. And then now we've got this shell shock vulnerability, which um, was supposedly, you know, responsibly disclosed, I believe, by the folks over at Red Hat. But it turns out the patch that was made available wasn't complete. Um, it wasn't tested thoroughly enough, and and even people that are patched are still somewhat vulnerable. So, you know, this brings up a lot of questions for the industry, and I think it's going to be a great panel discussion. Let's go back to some of the talks that you've already seen. A couple from Sophos Labs people. There was one from Jagadish and Anna, wasn't there, about uh, Android exploits and how you find them and how the malware creators actually go out of their way to make Android software hard to analyze, copying exactly the pattern that we've seen over the last 10 or 20 years with first DOS and then Windows malware. Yeah, I was at that talk. It was first thing this morning on Friday, and it was pretty well attended. And, uh, you know, Anna basically kind of laid out the history of vulnerabilities that are being used by the criminals on Android from about 2010 to present. And and Jag uh, did a, a really nice job of talking about the tools that are available for doing analysis of the said exploits and vulnerabilities and how the criminals kind of know what tools we're using and, and the, the obstacles they try to put in the way to break those tools to make analysis more difficult. Yes, I suppose that one of the great things when Android came out is this whole idea that really you're writing the code in Java and in the and, and compiling it into special bytecode. So in a way, you know, you don't really need to be able to analyze it like you would with x64 machine code on the Windows platform. Um, but that's not really how things have panned out, is it? Well, and you also have the complexity of uh, multiple binary formats. You've got, you know, this Dalvik, then you've got some of the malware we see is actually, you know, native ELF binaries that are for ARM or x86. How hard is it to decompile a Java application on Android, right? I mean, it's just Java. How hard can it be? 
And it turns out it's actually really hard if somebody wants to make it hard. So the next paper you were talking to me about earlier was also on Android by Roland out of the Sydney lab. That was Android Packers, wasn't it? The tools that are supposedly legitimate that take your application and sort of cast it into an opaque block of concrete that looks like an app but actually has the real app that's going to run buried deep inside. Well, this is the problem, right? Because as a researcher, when you see this code, you want to be able to say, whoever wrote this clearly is doing everything they can to prevent me from seeing what it is this application does. Therefore, my natural assumption is it's doing something malicious. But because there are well-meaning software developers out there who think that doing these same tactics will protect their code from being stolen, we can't just see this code being obfuscated or put into the concrete block, as you call it, and say, oh, it's automatically bad. We still actually have to go look at it. And these are just as happened in the Windows world several years ago and in the PHP world with uh, you know, packers like IonCube. These are commercially available, aren't they? You go out and buy them to, to protect your intellectual property and the software that you want to put in the Play Store or wherever it is. Yeah, and ironically, the two of the three firms offering these packing services are in China, where uh, Android is officially not uh, supported by Google. There's no Play Store in China. Perhaps that's an argument for these companies as to why they have the service, because piracy amongst Android applications is prominent in China. Um, and all of this, you know, what does this all say about the legal system? It almost suggests that we don't really have faith in the copyright laws and their ability to protect our property, do we? If I'm not wrong, one of these packers actually has this amazing sort of circular three processes all tracing each other to make it really hard to debug. And uh, Roland created a kind of anti-packer tool, didn't he? A special kernel that actually allowed him to debug the process, sort of turned the, the packer against itself, as it were. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of anti-analysis uh, techniques used in these packers, and, and that's something that we've seen in, in malware and the Windows platform for quite a long time. And, and, and Roland came up with a way to cross-compile uh, an Android kernel that will allow that analysis to proceed and kind of defeat the anti-analysis tools being used by the packers and allow the legitimate analysts to figure out how things work. Chester, if we, I'm conscious of the fact that you need to A, get back to the conference, and B, you've got this uh, panel coming up that you need to prepare for. So let's just finish on a bit of a, you know, we've been talking about, ooh, how the bad guys made things terribly hard for us and we had to scramble to understand what they were doing. You also went to a talk by a chap called Matt Bing, is that right, from Arbor Networks, who was talking about how we can take advantage when the bad guys make security blunders. It's always interesting to see how we can use the criminals' um, laziness against them sometimes. And one of the default behaviors of the Apache web server that runs so much of the internet is something called indexing. So we've all probably seen when you've gone to a website and something's misconfigured or you type the URL wrong, it'll sometimes give you a directory listing that each file or directory in the list, like as if you type dir in a command prompt, uh, is a link that you can click on and either download the files or browse through a directory of everything that's on the server as if you were on the file system. When was the last time you typed DIR to do a directory listing, Chester? <laughs> it, it, it has been a while, I have to admit. Sorry, do go on. <laughs> but, the, but the criminals often, you know, they're, they're lazy and they deploy these web servers to host their command and control infrastructure, say, for a botnet that they're operating. And Matt was showing how he's automated the process with some Python scripts to kind of go through all those URLs, uh, change them slightly, and see if the criminals left this directory listing service enabled. Because if they have, then there may be hints as to 
what kind of information is being stolen, what the botnet is designed to do, uh, test versions of future or past versions of malware that's being used in the attacks. You also mentioned to me that on some occasions there's stuff there that they wanted to be found. Similar to when I've talked to you previously about things like the war walking that we do in some of the cities where we do an atom of an attack, we often see sort of passive-aggressive communication from people through SSIDs, for example. And, and Matt showed that he was seeing similar things being done, you know, with these directory listings, where there would be files in there saying, you didn't really think I'd put the malware here, dot text, kind of taunting researchers, knowing that they left that open intentionally to, to communicate with those of us who may be trying to chase them. So it sounds like you're having great fun at VB, and it also sounds like there's a good mix, not only of the deep technical stuff about how do we analyze malware, but also a little bit about what you might call operational ethics coming in your panel. Absolutely. And um, hopefully I'll be able to share a little more insight maybe on next week's regularly scheduled chat chat, where I'm sure things like shell shock will come up at the top of the list to talk about. Excellent. Chester, I reckon that if I finish off right now, you'll just have time to grab some lunch before the next session starts. So let me just say, if you enjoyed this podcast, there are plenty more at soundcloud.com slash Sophos Security. Until next time, stay secure.